born in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open Hello everyone and welcome. This is Karen Joan and you are listening to The Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor who I will be representing with a meeting with a representative to urge them that parents have the choice of where their children should go to school and the money should follow the child. And whether or not the child is in homeschool, whatever school, homeschool must be part of it because it takes a lot of concentration and hard work. And we want to recognize that because that's part of America. That's part of what America is. We will be talking some about some of the things that have been going on in Florida, obviously, because that's where I am. And then I will have others on from the rest of the country. Yet last week, we had Kenny from Arizona. And we'll be talking about different topics that are current and how they relate to the past. Because the large problem here is that our children and their children have no idea of the real past of America. And they have no idea of numbers. And when they are taught, they are taught to obey, not to think. And this is a big problem. So as far as I'm concerned, this it doesn't matter what topic you're discussing. They're all the same. Um, and by the same, I mean they follow the same procedure. The underlying current in every topic is education. So if you want to get your message across, what do you do? You go out and educate, train, propagandize your workers so that, or your children, your students. It doesn't matter. They will follow your rules because they can't conceive of anything else. And that's what they're taught. They're taught the government is here to help. The government is wonderful. The government will save me. Well, the government is going to take everything you own and make sure that it gets distributed through their diversity, inclusion, equity plan, DAI, And it is included in that. So what happens is their push to get their woke things in are taking from the middle class and redistributing it to them, not to the people that you would think. Because that's what redistribution means. Communism really means the equality of poverty, not democracy. They could care less. You could vote for whoever you want. They'll make the machine say whatever they want. In any event, this is what we have right now, and we have this going on in America. No surprise. How is this being spread 
is the big issue. And the fact that nobody will name our enemy makes it worse. So we don't know how they're fighting. We don't know who's on what side. And it only has been to recently and since Donald Trump, well, actually since Obama, that these things have, as we say, grown legs because behind the scenes from George Bush 41, the foundation was being laid for the people's vision to change into one of the religion of climate change. And that's what they pushed everyone into because there is no God except Gia, Mother Earth. So who are these people? Well, we know the whole Democrat Party follows the same game plan, but what goes on in the Republican Party? These people are called rhinos. Now, who are rhinos and what are they? Well, we're really lucky because Chris Wright has agreed to join us and discuss the National Rhino Hunt Team. And by the way, to hunt rhinos, you don't need a license, right, Chris? <laughs> That's right, Karen. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure. So, Chris, who are these people? They are the rhinos. What are they all about? And why, why are they doing this? Well, Karen, we're fighting a two-front war. We're fighting against the left, of course, uh, some of the things you mentioned. But we also have a, a situation where we don't have a conservative party in this country, really, outside of the conservative party of New York. What we have is a Republican party, which overlaps to some degree with conservatism, but not nearly enough. So we have a lot of Republicans in name only, only rhinos, and they don't stand for anything except re-election. They truly have no principles. And I started the National Rhino Hunt team uh, almost a year ago now uh, with you as a charter member. And we have about six other people in the group that gather uh, weekly, talk about these things. And our goal is to return the GOP to a party principle again. So, um, what we have, if I can read my own notes here, ah, yes, um, you, if you, people might recall that in the days of Abraham Lincoln, the Republican Party blew away the Whig Party uh, because the Whig Party turned out not to have any principles, and in came the Republican Party with a very strong principle of ending slavery. That's what they stood for at the time. May I stop you for one second, Chris? Sure. Who was the Whig Party? What did they become? Where are they now? Well, as far as I know, they're defunct. More than that, I don't know. Oh, well, they morphed into the Democrat Party because they had the similar values and the Republicans were anti-slavery. And this was the Southern Democrats. And they're the, really the ones that started all the trouble. They created the KKK as their military arm like Antifa and the rest is history that nobody knows. So we have to bring that back again. Well, in any event, the GOP did stand for something in those days. It stood for ending slavery. But what do we have now? We have a party that says, hmm, well, what will the donors think? What will the consultants think? 
So there's really no principle uh, when you get to a lot of the leadership of the Republican Party. So on our team, we have uh, people who from around the country who take different approaches to fighting rhinos. So it's really quite a diverse group in that way. We have a woman in Charleston, South Carolina, who is very heavily into precinct organizing. That's uh, getting more people to join the Republican Party, take it over on a local on a local basis. We have another member in Seattle, Washington. Her deal is to build a parallel campaign structure so that um, grassroots candidates don't have to accept very expensive consultants, um, campaign managers, such and like, uh, that the Republican Party wants to hand burden all, all candidates with. We have another member uh, in Florida who likes to go out and jawbone her. Remember that term jawbone from the Kennedy administration? Anyway, she likes to jawbone elected officials um, who uh, she thinks through the, uh, by virtue of her conversing with them, some of them have come around to more conservative principles or at least see the issues as she's uh, beginning to see the issues as she sees them. So we have uh, a lot of different approaches. And what we did for the first eight or nine months was uh, collate all of these approaches and put them into a set of methodologies we have a methodology document that runs about five or six pages now. And the members of our team are available free of charge to talk about um, how to fight rhinos in your local area. So we're hoping that members of your audience will contact us and ask for our methodologies and get some ideas for how they can fight the rhinos in, in their locality. So that uh, the, our work shows up on my personal website, which is liberato.us. L-I-B as in boy, E-R-A-T as in Tom, O dot U-S, liberato dot U-S. And the, uh, it says Rhino Hunt on the main button bar. And we also have a contact page. My, my website has a contact page. You can contact us, ask for the speakers. And the address there is tips at liberato dot U-S, tips at liberato dot U-S. So we have, since, since we put together our methodologies, we have gone on to do other things. Uh, we like to do confrontations. So we got into a confrontation with a Republican county council member in Michigan who in the last election had a yard sign in his yard for a libertarian candidate. Well, uh, we spent a lot of time trying to define what a rhino is, and we decided that we couldn't define it in all of its um, dimensions, but we do know it when we see it. And one thing that's very clear is that when a Republican uh, supports a candidate from another party, they are a Republican in name only. They are a rhino. So that was one of our confrontations. Another confrontation we had with the Minnesota GOP you might recall that James O'Keefe had a video. I won't say Project Veritas anymore. I will say James O'Keefe. James O'Keefe had a video where he exposed the corruption and the vote buying that was going on in Elon Omar's district. And the bottom line there was that there was a lot of pro-Palestinian money that was sloshing around apartment houses and whatnot and get, scooping up ballots and buying votes in Elon Omar's district. And Elon Omar's people were implicated in it. And so we asked, since we first we looked to see what the Minnesota GOP did with respect to any of that, and we didn't see anything. So we confronted them and said, how come you aren't doing anything with this information? So that was another one of our confrontations. Our most recent confrontation was with the Republican National Committee, the RNC, 
when uh, you might recall that uh, in December last year, it uh, made news, it made the news that the RNC was, uh, did not have financial transparency. And they were having all these lavish expenses like um, $7,000 worth of cupcakes for the office or trips to resorts where um, you can have that sort of thing when you're that kind of organization. If you're going to put on a big, big whoop-de-doo for your donors and entertain them a little bit. But the problem with these trips to the resorts was it was just the RNC staff. There were no donors uh, going on these junkets. So uh, we confronted the RNC. <clears throat> uh, you might recall that there was an election at the time that the, the uh, who was going to be the leader was up for grabs. There were three candidates and we put out a candidate pledge. Will you pledge to more fiscal uh, transparency at the RNC and to disclose information down to the local units? If I financial information. And uh, we got one candidate out of three to sign our pledge. That was Mike Lindell. And I think the last time we were on, Karen, uh, that had just happened. We were very excited about that. So that was another one of our confrontations that was with the RNC. So let me pause there and see what kind of reaction you have so far. Oh, I think that everybody there, it's so interesting to listen to the different people from different parts of the country approach things differently, which is what our kids are supposed to be learning in school. There is, as they say, more than one way to skin a cat. And I probably now will be sued by Peter for talking about skinning a cat. Um, we have to get over this word garbage and the takeover of our language and not allow them to do it. And that's up to us. That's our doing. You have to learn to say no. That was probably the only uh, thing that, um, what was it, Nancy? Just say no. Absolutely. We have to learn to say no. No is one of our vocabulary words. So I think Exposing what these people are doing is so important because that is supposed to be the job of the media who has failed. And rather than sending out an email blast or a uh, Substack blast or whatever it is, pick up the phone and talk. You know, talk about something because if you build the relationship, it makes it a lot easier for you to get your point across and don't beat them up because they're very confused and you can see that. So the fact that we're exposing the, excuse me, the Romneys and, you know, I was going to say the McCain's and then I said, no, not, but the McCain uh, rhinos are still in Arizona. They're still following his policies. That's equally as bad. Um, and also, when they start talking about a group, ask them to, how many people are in the group? Describe the group. How much is it going to cost us to do that? Make them answer you and make them, you know, they're not going to be able to think. What usually happens after that is they will shut down the conversation. Don't let a rhino get away with it. You have to ask the tough questions. Ask them why. Why are they doing what they're doing? Why are they destroying America and siding with the communist Chinese who will only kill them in the end anyway? But probably more of an answer than you expected, Chris. But I, these people are so evil. I just, I don't know. They, they need to be in Gitmo so I don't have to think about them. 
Maybe we could make that the, where do rhinos go? Uh, the rhino herd, where do they go? We can send them all to Gitmo. Or, didn't uh, Obama refurbish Gitmo on our money? They put in tennis courts and swimming pool and all of those things that Obama spent money on. And then he said he was going to close Gitmo, but they never did. So I think that that's where they should go. And then they could all do the same thing at the same time. And then they could all wear the same clothes and they wouldn't have to fight. And they wouldn't have to tell us about equality because they would be all equal. Well, another thing we do at the National Rhino Hunt team is that we we have a page. Uh, I mentioned it before. It's on liberato.us. The main button bar, hit Rhino Hunt. You'll get right to the page. And and we uh, follow the, the the national rhinos, the ones you mentioned, like Romney and the McCains of the current world. Um, and so I wanted to tell your audience to just give them three examples of the kinds of uh, news stories that we're, we're on the lookout for. So this one caught my eye. This was really kind of um, uh, unusual. In in Montana, the GOP approved a resolution kicking out a former governor, kicking the former governor out of the party. And that's because this former governor announced that he's supporting Biden's candidacy and he cited the importance of character and conscience and that he saw Trump's presidency as dangerous to the existence of the republic as we know it. Well, maybe we can't find rhino down to uh, the last jot and tittle, but we can uh, tell you that we know a rhino and we see it. And when somebody is supporting a Democrat, when a Republican is, is supporting a Democrat and calling the Republic, uh, the Republican dangerous to the existence of the Republic as we know it, well, there's a rhino right there staring you in the face. So uh, we applaud the Montana GOP for kicking that former governor out of the party. Another tweet we did, uh, this is in Georgia. Um, in Georgia, the establishment-backed Republican legislators are trying to pass a bill that would allow illegal immigrants to jump ahead of Americans for school choice funding. Well, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, the, the view from the grassroots is that's just appalling. And the establishment, uh, GOP establishment, has a long history of being lax on um, illegal immigration. You might recall there was this big, it was during the George W. Bush presidency, it was called, what was it called? Comprehensive Immigration, yes, immigration Reform. And it was amnesty and it was all this stuff. And, and there was a group of Republicans, a gang of eight, or whatever the term was at the yeah, time. Yeah, the gang of eight. And they, they were pushing it, and it took a massive grassroots campaign to stop that thing. And um, those well, guess are, what? It's back again. Uh, well, yeah, it all keeps coming back. Um, the left keeps bringing it back, and the rhinos are right behind them. Um, so here here's a group in uh, Georgia that's of the same ilk. So we, we tweeted about that. Then the uh, thing I wanted to mention about that was um, – there are uh, legislatures around state legislatures around the country that are nominally Republican, but they're full of squishes and people who don't have any principles. And so they don't really get very much done. The um, state legislature was in the hands of Republicans in Michigan until this last election cycle. And they really didn't do anything. And they they did their best to squelch um election integrity efforts on the part of the grassroots. 
They never got very interested in election integrity. And that's also true of the Republican National Committee. So that's a differentiator between, that's a clear differentiator between rhinos and conservative grassroots Republicans. So that's the question of election integrity. So that's one of them. Georgia is another one of them. And now we have another problem in North Carolina. Um, that apparently they've cut a deal to do Medicaid expansion. This is Obama's Medicaid expansion, and the Republicans are putting it over the top, just like they did in my home state of Virginia. We fought Medicaid expansion here in Virginia for five years. We were successful for four years. And then to have the Republicans turn around in the fifth year, and it was the Republicans, not the Democrats, who put Medicaid expansion over the top, that's when I began to get furious about rhinos in the Republican Party. So that's another type of tweet we do. Um, another tweet we did, well, let me get your reaction on that, Karen. Oh, I thought that was wonderful. <laughs> and I enjoyed the retweets on that one. Um, they're just, they are, they are, you know, they, you trust them and they stab you in the back. As they're patting you on the back, they're patting you with a knife, and that's what they're doing. So this is a way to expose the rhinos who are just who to me are worse than the Democrats because we know what the Democrats are going to do. These people we count on to do the to be American and stop. They could have stopped all of this. They could have stopped the border garbage also, but they didn't. Now there has to be a reason. And that reason is money, power, control, nothing has changed. So if you follow the money, you will always find where, what they are about. And look at the, just look at the money tree that the Chinese, it's, it's so absurd because the Chinese are getting the money from America and then they're using it to destroy America. So what are they going to do for money? Oh, they don't need money. They're going to use social digital credits. And now you know why this is so important to them because it's not attached to money. It is only attached to you being controlled, you will obey. What is it? There, you, you must obey. That's it. And that's what the rhinos are leading us to. Why else? I remember, Chris, when I was doing business and we had an opportunity to do business in China. And we met with the Chinese team and we were told outright that they will own 50% of our business. We will turn all patents over to them. We will do all of our banking in China. And we said, thank you, but no thank you. But the big corporations didn't care. So that's where we are right now. And these rhinos are feeding the beast. They're giving us, they're giving our money. Well, that's what they're doing, redistributing our wealth into their pockets. Well, I want to pick up on something you said earlier. There's a, a top flight trainer by the name of Stephen Coghlan. He has a website called Unconstrained Analytics, and he has an illustrious career. He's trained intelligence agencies. He's trained the FBI. He's written books. Um, so he's a top flight kind of guy. And he said something very profound. He said, it's not the left that has taken this country in the leftward direction. 
it's the rhinos, the Republicans in name only, who have allowed it to happen. They're the culprits because the left is going to do what the left is going to do. But the people you've counted on to stop it are are playing for the other team, basically. Exactly. Exactly. And go right ahead. No, I was just to say they're the ones that are sticking the knife in and twisting it. You know. I wanted to mention a third tweet, uh, our most recent uh, little um, uh, exchange with the uh, Republican National Committee. They came out last week and they said they embraced early voting to beat the Democrats at their own game. And the uh, this issue is kind of split um, people on the right. But the view of our group, the National Rhino Hunt team, is that we... Uh, decided to criticize the RNC because we figure that nobody's ever going to beat the Democrats at early voting or any of their other election games because they're far too devious. And the RNC had gone in the wrong direction and it was time for them to get serious about election integrity instead of trying to copycat uh, what the Democrats were doing. So just to uh, uh, recapitulate, um, people can follow our work at liberato.us. Uh, Rhino Hunt is on the main button bar. And if you, uh, if anyone in your audience is interested in our work uh, and wants, has a passion for fighting the rhinos, please get in touch with us. The email address is tips at liberato.us. That's like in news tips, it's tips at liberato.us. Well, Chris, uh, we are coming to our break time, so I'm going to ask you to hang around if you don't mind, and we can continue this conversation because one of the things that you describe so well is that liberal policies hurt people. They don't care about the people they hurt. So you have to be ahead of them. You have to see what they're trying to do and don't let them do it. Say no. I'm not going to do that. The good news is, or the only good news is, that a lot of this garbage is an executive order, which an executive, a new executive order could override until a law was written. But what had happened was because Trump never got support, no laws were written. And most of the things that he did were by executive order, which Biden erased the minute he got in office. So that's another thing that we have to talk about. But their policies, absolutely, they don't pay attention to consequences. They could care less. And that is a problem. Not for them. It is a problem for us. They don't care who they step on. Their answer to inflation is to import more people who will Uh, work at a reduced salary so they can lower the salaries of the greedy Americans who are making too much money for what they do. This is your government saying that. Folks, don't go away. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to The Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network, with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Please visit me at karenshone.com. You will find all of my articles, which, by the way, are long. I realize that. So I'm going to try to write in sound bites, which is going to be really tough because I, I'm a teacher and I have to explain everything. That's my nature. That's the way it goes. But I promise I'll shorten them up. 
Hang around, folks. We'll be right back. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. AmericaOutloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back, everyone. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. And I will have plenty to tell you next week. Uh, also, the Alliance is starting a project. Um, if you are interested, please get in touch with me. And that would be at kbshoen at bellsouth.net. Uh, the Alliance is starting a project to help parents get their kids out of public school. We're forming co-ops, all different kinds of things. There's so many things that can be done. You can do it in your community, and it is fabulous. There is absolutely no reason why in today's world 100% of American students should be able to read. Not 50% can't read beyond the fifth grade level. And for people who ask me or comment on Kamala and the why she talks like that and she talks down, it's because most of the people, that's where their intelligence quotient is. How sad is that? We have had the deliberate dumbing down of America in our public schools, and we have to stop who will be the leaders? Nobody. And then what will happen? That's not what we're going to be doing. What we're going to do right now is bring back Chris, because communism, democracy, the world, we're all tied up in the same bow. And we have a group of disgraceful traitors who are trying to push us into a war. And all this is going to do is shift more money from us to them, which is all they care about. It's so important to understand how this works from people who have actually experienced it than for me to sit and explain how it works. 
Chris Wright, who is an independent liberty activist who just spent a whole bunch of time with us in the first segment. Great conversation. I'll turn it over to you right now. Thanks, Karen. What we're going to do in this segment is we have a very special guest who is part of the uh, Cuban resistance. But before we get to him, I want to let people know that uh, we are the Anti-Communism Action Team. We are an independent grassroots group dedicated to fighting communism at home and abroad. We have a website we invite your listeners to visit. It's at spiderinthefly.com with hyphens between the words, spiderinthefly.com. We have a free newsletter you can sign up for at mail at spiderinthefly.com. Again, hyphens between the words. We do a weekly roundup of anti-communism news from home and abroad. We also have a speakers bureau, and we're going to hear from one of our speakers tonight. We have presented at the Heritage Foundation, the Leadership Institute, been on Breitbart TV and Levin TV. Our speakers will appear in person in the Washington, D.C. area, where most of us are. And we, in addition, we can appear by video conferencing anywhere. There are no speakers fees. This is completely a grassroots effort. These are people who are uh, that I am privileged to know who are concerned about the direction of the country. Now, with all of that, I'm going to introduce our special guest, Dr. Orlando Gutierrez Boronat. He is an award-winning author and co-founder and spokesperson for the Cuban Democratic Directorate. That's an NGO seeking human rights and democratic change in Cuba, funded by the National Endowment for Democracy. He launched Radio Republica, which reached... Cubans on the island every day with uncensored news and information through shortwave. He was instrumental in the creation of the Justice Cuba Commission, which investigates the crimes against humanity of the Cuban regime. He is a lecturer at Georgetown University and a community leader. He holds a PhD in philosophy of international studies from the University of, Mar uh, University of Miami. Now, Orlando is going to talk to us about what every American should know about the Cuban Revolution. He'll give us some background on that. Then he's gonna go into his uh, present day activities, which include a national salvation plan for Cuba and his proposal to designate the Cuban regime as a state sponsor of terrorism. So with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Orlando. Orlando, take it away. Well, thank you so much for having me on your program. And thank you for that great intro. Yes, I am the coordinator for the Assembly of the Cuban Resistance, which is a very broad coalition of uh, the main resistance groups to the Castro regime inside and outside Cuba. We are engaged in, in advocacy and in a daily struggle to help bring about liberation from communism uh, for Cuba in the island, but also uh, outside of Cuba, education and information so that people understand the danger that communism poses to individual freedom everywhere. Thank you for those comments. Can you tell us a little bit about why the Cuban revolution is significant and what Americans should know about it? Well, what Americans should know is that the regime that was imposed in Cuba in 1959, one of the main goals of that, of the creation of that regime was to bring socialism to the United States, was to bring socialism to Latin America. They used Cuba to create the myth of a successful socialist state and then use that myth to indoctrinate American youth in high schools and in colleges. And I was listening to the presentation of the program and there has been a dumbing down of Americans at the public school level. I mean, I remember when I went to, to public school and what we learned and what's going on now, these are the, the way the educational system has been designed progressively over all these decades the goal has been to turn citizens 
into simply people who are taught what is expedient and larger issues that have to do with uh, moral choices and with moral rectitude in life are, are diluted. And one of those issues is the choice to be free. The choice to be free uh, is, a, is always a difficult one because freedom is not simply prosperity. Freedom is not sim simply material well-being. It can lead to that. But freedom is fundament fundamentally a state of awareness of your own thinking, of your own consciousness, of ownership of your decisions, of ownership of the consequences of those decision decisions. And that makes you a free citizen capable of, of exercising your liberty. And I think that in order to, to create a socialist collectivist system in the U.S., that those ideas have to be whittled away at and diluted. And I think what, what happened in Cuba was that they created a myth, uh, a mythology about a country that was, you know, very similar to the U.S. in many ways, smaller, of course, but that was successfully achieving this utopian society where there were no poor, there was no racism, no exploitation. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. What was created in Cuba was not a, a perfect socialist system. What was created was a perfect dictatorship. And you don't have to go very far to see the proof as to what I'm saying. Herbert Marcus, who was the great academic strategist of the new left of, of everything we're facing in America now, he said that the revolution in Cuba was essential for socialism in the U.S. What we had to face over the years has been a, a two-front struggle, one against the communist regime in Cuba, and the other struggle... Uh, has been against this system uh, of, of very well-concocted uh, myths about socialism, about what happened in Cuba, about Fidel Castro, about Che Guevara, which have, which have in, in some way uh, affected and, and really manipulated people finding out the truth about Cuba. And my, my recent book, Cuba, The Doctrine of the Lie, is precisely about that. It's a book about how the, the lie about Cuba was built and that, that building of the lie about Cuba was simply a precursor to building the lie about the United States, which we're suffering from now in our schools. Well, Orlando, um, can you give us, you said that Cuba is the, uh, wanted to export socialism to the United States. Um, can you give us a couple of specific examples of what the Cuban regime, the Castro regime did, their activities inside the United States to make that happen? Oh, I don't think the Cubans wanted to export socialism to the U.S. I think Castro's masters, both in the Soviet Union or those in the West who have aided and, and abetted the rise in socialism, in socialism throughout the U.S., wanted Cuba to be communist and socialist so as to sell communism and socialism in the U.S. I think Castro was a pawn, a willing pawn in this whole plot. And I, I think there's there's different things which you can see that have, that the regime in Cuba has been used for. It's been used to justify gun control, saying that there's no crime in Cuba. It's been used to justify socialized medicine, saying that everybody in Cuba has the same medical care. It's been used to 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 sell collectivized education where there would be no private education and where religion is is barred from schools. Um, and I can go on and on. I mean, critical race theory. Uh, points towards Cuba as a place where equality has been achieved. All this is a lie. It's, it's believed only by people who don't know what's going on in Cuba. If they knew, then they would have to challenge all these socialist assumptions. So there's been many, many, many cases where this myth about Cuba has been used to sell the socialist idea or the socialist agenda in the United States.
Well, let's talk about the realities of what's going on in Cuba today. I mentioned that I do a weekly uh, roundup of anti-communism news. This week, I led off with a story from Cuba that talked about how the uh, Cuban socialist system really falls short. It's not even providing basic foodstuffs. There's shortages of uh, rice beans and cooking oil. They talk about uh, somebody was making making fun of it and saying that um, we're supposedly this this medical powerhouse of the world, and yet we don't even have medicine to fight scabies. So can you talk about, you say, say it's a myth and it's used to sell socialism in the United States, but please tell us some of the realities of what's on the ground of what's in Cuba, what transpires in Cuba today. Well, the thing is, you have to first understand where Cuba was at. Uh, Cuba was one of the leading Latin American economies. The the Cuban peso um, was on equal terms with the American dollar. Cuba had some of the largest gold reserves in Latin America. Um, Cuban Cuban workers Cuba Cuba was the eighth country in the world with the best salaries for industrial workers. Um, it was an economy that was developing rapidly, diversifying, and had achieved very high standards of living. Um, and you got to remember back when Cuba became independent uh, in 1898, uh, 1898, 1902, the country was ravaged. It was destroyed. So in a matter of 10, 20 years, Cubans had really lifted up their country from the ashes. And they were building a society that was prosperous, that was a moral society. It had difficult political issues that were being dealt with over the years. And, and to, Cuba, for example, Cuba was a country that fed itself, which is very difficult for developing countries to do. It's one of the, it's one of the, the, the standards for, for develop, development to be able to feed yourself as a country. Cuba fed itself and exported food. Cuba exported food to Florida, for example. Cuba exported concrete to, to Florida. Uh, Cuban beef was exported to the U.S. However, once communism took over, and we have to understand that communists always go after food supplies. It happened in Russia, it happened in China, happened in Cuba, because once you control food supplies, you control cities. And once you control cities, you control the, the middle class, which can challenge the power of the regime. So the regime in Cuba um, carried out a process of collectivization of land, um, of imposing state controls on, on agriculture that, re that has resulted in a collapse of Cuban agriculture. And the fact that, believe it or not, 85% of what Cuba eats today comes from the United States. Well, I wrote in the news roundup this week that uh, under socialism, food is a weapon. And so it's deliberately done so that people don't, they, they, all they can think about is their next meal. They can't think about revolution or overthrowing the regime. So um, you mentioned that there was a pretty good life developing in Cuba before Castro. And I, what I want to know is, and we'll, this will be the last question about history, then we'll get into your current activities, but how did the island go communist, and is there a lesson there for the United States? The island went, went uh, communist because the fundamental institutions of Cuba as a republic were weakened. They were weakened because from 1933 on, the army took on an increasing political role in Cuba. The army became practically a political party with its own social, political, and economic programs. The army was also a place of, of great corruption in the country. All the civilian governments from 1934 to, to 1952 were always under the threat of some kind of military coup or rebellion. Uh, the other thing which really affected 
Cuba was a very well-organized communist party, which was highly dependent on the Soviet Union and the, the CPUSA, the Communist Party of the, of the U.S. And the Communist Party became a powerful force that was trying to work within the army to control Cuban society and bring about a socialist revolution. As a counterweight to the army, Civilian political parties and student organizations developed their own militias, their own paramilitaries. Balance of violence between the military and these civilian armed groups chipped away at, at Cuban democracy. It created a, um, even though the country was progressing tremendously economically and politically and socially, there was an un, there was an undercurrent of instability because of this existing existing tension that was caused by the army's political role by the Communist Party, and by the armed groups that were set up to counter both. This created eventually an institutional crisis that, that led to the taking of power by Fidel Castro in 1959. There was also another component because Batista, who was before Castro, was a heavy-duty fascist, and he was very involved with the mob. Uh, they were building casinos in Cuba. And this was this also added to the corruption because Americans were going to Cuba as their playground. Uh, Cuba, he's right, was extremely uh, wealthy. The interesting thing from an educational perspective, Cuba was the model, and every other country follows the same model. So if you know what the model is, and you can apply it, then you can fight it. If you refuse to recognize the model, you can't fight anything because you get suckered into it. So we should know that the model was Cuba. What did they do in Cuba? They went for a very prosperous country and created lies to create friction between the Cubans so that they would hate each other and be willing to fight each other while they were stealing everything. And it made very easy for an open door to communism painted this wonderful utopia. One more thing I want you to think about. Every other Latin American country went the way of Cuba. Argentina, Venezuela, they all went exactly the same way. And that's how the communists get their foothold in. And now, of course, because of all of the surveillance and technology, it makes it much easier for them to control. And this is what is happening. And this is why listening to people like Orlando is so important, because if you know what went on in their country, you can say, coming soon to my community, and I'm not going to let it happen. Well, one thing I've learned over nine years of uh of interacting with survivors of communism from various countries. They all say the same thing. It's the same playbook. They roll out the same playbook in country after country. Exactly. And that's why it's so important to know them so that you can go, ah, no, I don't think so. I'm not going to stand for that. So give me your evidence. Back it up. And this woke garbage where they went after all of these people from 30 and 40 years ago. I'm not talking about rape. Rape is a different thing. Or murder is a whole different animal. But you called me a name. You said a mean thing to me. You weren't nice. And then, of course, just like with what just happened with Kavanaugh, you can see they lie. And that's what they're doing. They're lying. 100% liars. 
this whole thing, Chris, you did a lot of work on transgenders. Maybe in the next 10 minutes, we can have a discussion on how their policies hurt people. Well, let me set that up by saying it's a communist. Transgenderism is communism through and through. And let, let me recount some data points for you. So let me start with a communist theoretician by the name of Georgie Lukacs. And he was the education minister in the short-lived, I think it was the Hungarian Communist Republic. This was something that happened before the Soviets arrived. And he was education minister. He, he introduced sex education in the schools, and he did it for a one single purpose. And the purpose was to destroy the society. It was very, it was all deliberate, it was very conscious, and he called it cultural terrorism. That's what the education minister called it, cultural terrorism. Now, we flip forward to uh, Marcusa, who was um, mentioned here on the call uh, on the show here earlier. He is also called the father of the sexual revolution in the United States. It's the same deal. It's the same playbook. Uh, the idea is to um, weaken uh, American society by loosening sexual mores. And there, there was a, a guy, forget the guy's name, he wrote a book in the 30s talking about any society that has loosened its sexual mores has not survived. So we have that bit of it. Marcuse is uh, basically hard left, radical left kind of communist kind of kind of person. Then we flip forward to just about a year ago, I saw a vid, uh, YouTube on video, and these were four transgender activists. They were professors, I forget precisely where they were from, all American schools, four American colleges, and they basically said in a minute and a half, the purpose of transgenderism is to usher in communism into the United States. No bones about it, they were very explicit. It was it was quite an admission and nothing mysterious. There it was right out in the open. The purpose of transgenderism is to usher communism into the United States. So you take an idea like transgenderism. Let's let's start um, communist technique. It's called the Hegelian dialectic. People may have learned about this in college as thesis, synthesis, uh thesis, antithesis, and synthesis, but that doesn't really capture what, what this is. This is a weapon. What you do is you take a, an idea that's been taken as a given from time immemorial, like there are two biological sexes, male and female. You set into motion an opposing idea. Now there are 57 genders, and gender is only a societal construct. It's not biological. And, and you run that idea uh, every which way you can against the original idea until the original idea is destroyed. Not a synthesis, destroyed. This is a communist technique. It's conscious. It's deliberate. This is what's happening in the United States today. So with all of that by way of preface, now that we know that transgenderism is a communist movement, I've been uh, following the stories about the advances of transgender transgenderism in American society for some time, but I am encouraged because lately I'm seeing a number of developments uh, going back to the original idea and in opposition to transgenderism, and I'm actually very happy about them. I wrote a commentary, to, and with your permission, I'd like to share that with your audience now. Oh, that would be wonderful. Thank you. Uh, just one quick thing before um, Chris starts. Your Bible right now, what you look at, your go-to document, everyone should be the 45 goals of communism that was read into the congressional record. 
go pull it up. Read goals 24, 25, and 26. 24 is the elimination of all laws governing obscenity by calling them censorship and a violation of free speech and free press. Goal number 25, break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, etc. Number 26, present homosexuality, degrancy, and promiscuity as normal, natural, and healthy. And right now, there's a college in England that is giving a course on prostitution because so many of their young people graduate and become prostitutes. So here's my commentary from today, Karen. Transgenderism has made many inroads into U.S. society, politics, and culture, but the tide is finally turning. Tennessee just passed a law banning transgender drugs and surgery for minors and prohibiting drag shows where they could be seen by children. That makes Tennessee the eighth state to restrict sex change procedures for minors. Legislation is pending in at least 25 other states. No more free ride. Another indication the tide is turning is the spate of lawsuits being filed against transgender service providers. Everyone who is a part of the transgender industrial complex is in legal jeopardy, whether they realize it yet or not. The grounds for legal liability are many. An 18-year-old detransitioner is suing the Kaiser companies for ignoring her mental health condition and putting her on sex change drugs when she was 13. Doctors performed a double mastectomy on her when she was 15. I was 15 when you cut into my body, ripped out my breasts, and stitched me back up like I was your rag doll, she said. You are on the wrong side of history and will always be remembered as child butchers. She is the victim of ideological and profit-driven medical abuse, her lawyer said in announcing the suit. Doctors aren't the only ones facing legal liability. A New York school district is being sued because a teacher tried to manipulate a nine-year-old girl into becoming transgender by calling her Leo and using male pronouns to address her. The girl became confused and contemplated suicide. The teacher pushed transgender and gay agendas on the entire class, providing her students graphic books on these subjects, going into detail about transitioning, surgery, and hormones. The school district didn't tell the parents anything about the child's condition until after she had developed suicidal ideation. Republicans in the U.S. House and Senate reintroduced a bill to allow people who receive transgender drugs and surgery as minors to sue their doctors with a 30-year statute of limitations. Unfortunately, radical doctors in the United States perform dangerous, experimental, and even sterilizing gender transition procedures on young kids who cannot even provide informed consent, Senator Tom Cotton said. Consent also figures in the civil and possibly criminal investigation by state authorities of a transgender clinic in, in Missouri. Whether the Republicans' bill passes or not, it is foreseeable a flood of litigation is coming. Live by social contagion, die by social contagion. Expect to see more lawsuits arising from injuries from the administration of transgender drugs. A new study shows those taking transgender hormone treatments are significantly more prone to stroke, heart attack, and blood clots. Stroke, seven times more likely. Heart problems, six times more likely. Pulmonary embolism, five times more likely. Lawsuits for drugging and mutilating kids who can't possibly understand the long-term ramifications of transgender treatment, getting more likely all the time. Right now, the trans procedure is worth about $15 billion. The projection within the next five years 
five years is $343 billion. They're not going to stop because of the money. These are the same people that were pushing abortion. And abortion is a one-shot deal. Once the abortion is done, the person, the patient is not coming back again. This is a lifetime deal. And many of the patents of the pharmaceutical companies were up and they were going under. They were losing money as generic drugs were being introduced into the marketplace. They needed a new drug. Guess what? This is transgenderism. And nothing fills the bill anymore than this for communism. Chris, Thank you so much for joining me today. We are in uncharted waters, and it's going to be up to us. This is their plan. It's followed with everything they do. Read the plan. Use it. Reference it. It's so important. And then you will understand where the rhinos are coming from. Chris, Thank you so much for joining me. As always, I hope you will come back again. Karen, thanks for having me back. It's been a pleasure. Okay, everyone. I will see you again next week. Same time, same place. Enjoy your week. And by all means, I think uh, it is a good thing if you have not watched Tucker Carlson, please do, as he has been exposing January 6th. That is a travesty. And all of those quote, lawmakers and people on that January 6th committee should be in Gitmo. This is Karen Schoen, and you have been listening to The Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Go FLCA.com. Join. Thank you all. It is my name.